Section 21 of Journal of the Reverend Francis Asbury, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brian Keenan. Journal of the Reverend Francis Asbury, Volume 1, Section 21. A Brief Narrative of the Revival of Religion in Virginia, in a Letter to a Friend. Dear Sir, You were pleased when in Virginia to desire a narrative of the work of God in these parts. I shall give you matter-of-fact in a plain, artless dress, relating only what I have myself seen and heard, and what I have received from men on whose judgment and veracity I can fully depend. That you may have a full view of the whole, I shall go back as far as my first settlements in this parish. August ninth, seventeen sixty three. I was chosen rector of B. in the county of D. in Virginia. Ignorance of the things of God, profaneness, and irreligion then prevailed among all ranks and degrees, so that I doubt if even the form of godliness was to be found in any one family of this large and populous parish. I was a stranger to the people, my doctrines were quite new to them, and were neither preached nor believed by any other clergyman, so far as I could learn, throughout the province. My first work was to explain the depravity of our nature, our fall in Adam, and all the evils consequent thereon, the impossibility of being delivered from them by anything which we could do, and the necessity of a living faith in order to our obtaining help from God. While I continued to insist upon these truths, and on the absolute necessity of being born again, no small outcry was raised against this way, as well as against him that taught it. But by the help of God I continued to witness the same both to small and great. The common people, however, frequented the church more constantly, and in larger numbers than usual. Some were affected at times, so as to drop a tear. But still, for a year or more, I perceived no lasting effect— only a few were not altogether so profane as before. I could discover no heartfelt convictions of sin, no deep or lasting impression of their lost estate. Indeed, I have reason to believe that some have been a good deal alarmed at times. But they were shy of speaking to me, thinking it would be presumption, till their convictions wore off. But in the year 1765 the power of God was more sensibly felt by a few. These were constrained to apply to me, and inquire, what must they do to be saved? And now I began to preach abroad, as well as in private houses, and to meet little companies in the evenings, and converse freely on divine things. I believe some were this year converted to God, and thenceforth the work of God slowly went on. The next year I became acquainted with Mr. M. R., rector of a neighboring parish, and we joined hand in hand in the great work. He labored much therein, and not in vain. A remarkable power attended his preaching, and many were truly converted to God, not only in his parish, but in other parts where he was called to labor. In the years 1770 and 1771, we had a more considerable outpouring of the Spirit, at a place in my parish called White Oak. It was here first I formed the people into a society, that they might assist and strengthen each other. The good effects of this were soon apparent. 
convictions were deep and lasting. Not only knowledge, but faith, and love, and holiness continually increased. In the year 1772, the revival was more considerable, and extended itself in some places for fifty or sixty miles round. It increased still more in the following year, and several sinners were truly converted to God. In spring 1774, it was more remarkable than ever. The word preached was attended with such energy that many were pierced to the heart. Tears fell plentifully from the eyes of the hearers, and some were constrained to cry out. A goodly number were gathered in this year, both in my parish and in many of the neighboring counties. I formed several societies out of those which were convinced or converted, and I found it a happy means of building up those that had believed, and preventing the rest from losing their convictions. In the counties of Sussex and Brunswick, the work, from the year 1773, was chiefly carried on by the labors of the people called Methodists. The first of them who appeared in these parts was Mr. R. W., who you know was a plain, artless, indefatigable preacher of the gospel. He was greatly blessed in detecting the hypocrite, raising false foundations, and stirring believers up to press after a present salvation from the remains of sin. He came to my house in the month of March, in the year 1773. The next year others of his brethren came, who gathered many societies both in this neighborhood and in other places, as far as North Carolina. They now began to ride the circuit, and to take care of the societies already formed, which was rendered a happy means both of deepening and spreading the work of God. I earnestly recommended it to my societies to pray much for the prosperity of Sion, and for a larger outpouring of the Spirit of God. They did so, and not in vain. We have had a time of refreshing indeed, a revival of religion, as great as perhaps ever was known, in country places, in so short a time. It began in the latter end of the year 1775, but was more considerable in January 1776, the beginning of the present year. It broke out nearly at the same time, at three places, not far from each other. Two of these places are in my parish, the other in Amelia County, which had for many years been notorious for carelessness, profaneness, and immoralities of all kinds. Gaming, swearing, drunkenness, and the like were their delight, while things sacred were their scorn and contempt. However, some time last year one of my parish, now a local preacher, appointed some meetings among them, and after a while induced a small number to join in society. And though few, if any of them, were then believers, yet this was a means of preparing the way of the Lord. As there were few converts in my parish the last year, I was sensible a change of preachers was wanting. This has often revived the work of God, and so it did at the present time. Last December one of the Methodist preachers, Mr. S., preached several times at the three places above mentioned. He confirmed the doctrine I had long preached, and to many of them not in vain. And while their ears were opened by novelty, God set his word home upon their hearts. Many sinners were powerfully convinced, and mercy, mercy was their cry. In January, the news of convictions and conversions was common, and the people of God were inspired with new life and vigor by the happiness of others. 
but in a little time they were made thoroughly sensible that they themselves stood in need of a deeper work in their hearts than they had yet experienced. And while those were panting and groaning for pardon, these were entreating God, with strong cries and tears, to save them from the remains of inbred sin, to sanctify them throughout, in spirit, soul, and body, so to circumcise their hearts, that they might love God with all their hearts, and serve Him with all their strength. During this whole winter, the Spirit of the Lord was poured out in a manner we had not seen before. In almost every assembly might be seen signal instances of divine power, more especially in the meetings of the classes. Here many old start-houted sinners felt the force of truth, and their eyes were open to discover their guilt and danger. The shaking among the dry bones was increased from week to week. Nay, sometimes ten or twelve have been deeply convinced of sin in one day. Some of these were in great distress, and when they were questioned concerning the state of their souls, were scarce able to make any reply but by weeping and falling on their knees before all the class, and earnestly soliciting the prayers of God's people. And from time to time he has answered these petitions, set the captives at liberty, and enabled them to praise a pardoning God in the midst of his people. Numbers of old and gray-headed, of middle-aged persons, of youth, yea, of little children, were the subjects of this work. Several of the latter we have seen painfully concerned for the wickedness of their lives and the corruption of their nature. We have instances of this sort from eight or nine years old. Some of these children are exceeding happy in the love of God, and they speak of the whole process of the work of God, of their convictions, the time when, and the manner how, they obtained deliverance, with such clearness as might convince an atheist that this is nothing else but the great power of God. Many in these parts who had long neglected the means of grace now flocked to hear, not only me and the traveling preachers, but also the exhorters and leaders. And the Lord showed he is not confined to man, for whether there was preaching or not, his power was still sensible among the people. And at their meetings for prayer, some have been in such distress that they have continued therein for five or six hours. And it has been found that these prayer meetings were singularly useful in promoting the work of God. The outpouring of the Spirit which began here soon extended itself, more or less, through most of the circuit, which is regularly attended by the traveling preachers, and which takes in a circumference of between four and five hundred miles. And the work went on, with a pleasing progress, till the beginning of May, when they held a quarterly meeting at B's Chapel, in my parish. This stands at the lower line of the parish, thirty miles from W's Chapel, at the upper line of it, where the work began. At this meeting one might truly say, the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain of divine influence poured down for more than forty days. The work now became more deep than ever, extended wider, and was swifter in its operations. Many were savingly converted to God, and in a very short time, not only in my parish, but through several parts of Brunswick, Sussex, Prince George, Lunenburg, Mecklenburg, and Amelia counties. Second day of the quarterly meeting, a love feast was held. As soon as it began, the power of the Lord came down on the assembly 
like a rushing mighty wind, and it seemed as if the whole house was filled with the presence of God. A flame kindled and ran from heart to heart. Many were deeply convinced of sin, many mourners were filled with consolation, and many believers were so overwhelmed with love that they could not doubt but God had enabled them to love Him with all their heart. When the love feast was ended, the doors were opened. Many who had stayed without then came in, and beholding the anguish of some and the rejoicing of others, were filled with astonishment, not long after with trembling apprehensions of their own danger. Several of them, prostrating themselves before God, cried aloud for mercy, and the convictions which then began in many have terminated in a happy and lasting change. The multitudes that attended on this occasion, returning home all alive to God, spread the flame through their respective neighborhoods, which ran from family to family, so that within four weeks several hundreds found the peace of God. And scarce any conversation was to be heard throughout the circuit but concerning the things of God, either the complaining of the prisoners, groaning under the spirit of bondage unto fear, or the rejoicing of those whom the spirit of adoption taught to cry, Abba, Father. The unhappy disputes between England and her colonies, which just before had engrossed all our conversation, seemed now in most companies to be forgot, while things of far greater importance lay so near the heart. I have gone into many, and not small companies, wherein there did not appear to be one careless soul, and the far greater part seemed perfectly happy in a clear sense of the love of God. One of the doctrines, as you know, which we particularly insist upon, is that of a present salvation, a salvation not only from the guilt and power, but also from the root of sin, a cleansing from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, that we may perfect holiness in the fear of God, a going on to perfection, which we sometimes define by loving God with all our hearts. Several who had believed were deeply sensible of their want of this. I have seen both men and women who had long been happy in a sense of God's pardoning love, as much convicted on account of the remains of sin in their hearts, and as much distressed for a total deliverance from them, as ever I saw any for justification. Their whole cry was, Oh, that I now the rest might know, believe, and enter in. Now, Saviour, now the power bestow, and let me cease from sin. And I have been present when they believed that God answered this prayer, and bestowed this blessing upon them. I have conversed with them several times since, and have found them thoroughly devoted to God. They all testify that they have received the gift instantaneously, and by simple faith. We have sundry witnesses of this perfect love who are above all suspicion. I have known the men and their communication for many years, and have ever found them zealous for the cause of God, men of sense and integrity, patterns of piety and humility, whose testimony, therefore, may be depended on. It has been frequently observed that there was never any remarkable revival of religion, but some degree of enthusiasm was mingled with it, some wildfire mixed with the sacred flame. It may be doubted whether this is not unavoidable in the nature of things. And notwithstanding all the care we have taken, this work has not been quite free from it. But it never rose to any considerable height, neither was of long continuance. 
in some meetings there has not been that decency and order observed which I could have wished. Some of our assemblies resemble the congregation of the Jews at laying the foundation of the second temple in the days of Ezra. Some wept for grief, others shouted for joy, so that it was hard to distinguish one from the other. So it was here. The mourning and distress were so blended with the voice of joy and gladness that it was hard to distinguish the one from the other, till the voice of joy prevailed, the people shouting with a great shout, so that it might be heard afar off. To give you a fuller insight into this great work of God, I subjoin an extract from two or three of my letters. End of section 21. Recording by Brian Keenan.